Look at them, madame. Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Oh. This is the gentle art of philately, otherwise known as stamp collecting. Here's a pile of stamps carefully culled from swap meets and garage sales. Rupert, what are you thinking of? Oh, I was just thinking of all the years I've wasted collecting stamps. Oh, like stamp collecting. Now, that's all right. That's quite a nice hobby, that. Yes, but it's not enough. Don't you understand? I'm lonely. I'm so terribly lonely. All right, Homer. You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. From Spain and two from Japan I got a couple from Israel and Azerbaijan I got a plenty from Poland but none from Sudan Or from Fiji or Uzbekistan Stamp collecting happens when we dream together Live from our safe room because there are bad things out there This is the award-winning Stamp Show here today, episode number 293 Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Tom. This is Cash. This is Albert. This is Mark. This is Becca. This is Jeff. Welcome, Todd W., new member to the podcast. Your certificate is in the mail. And shout out to Tony of Barney Stamps for the COVID postcards. And a plug for his store, Barney Stamps at barneystamps.com. So we get mail. Summon the answer squad. Jim C. writes, two questions. Is Dawn still working for the company? I haven't heard her on any of the podcasts. And I am getting caught up on the Stamp Show Here Today podcast. Are you still using Podbean? I only see 309 listed. I would guess that there should be more. And what is the mailing address again? Well, that's three questions. Um, <laughs> Don is actually downstairs. She is working. She is starting to scan uh, images for PSE. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we well, fired her, but no, we work, hired her. She's working now. <laughs> she actually never worked before when she was here for the podcast. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, she wasn't an employee then. Uh, as for Podbean, yes, we use Podbean. I think that they drop off after a certain time period. That's why there's only 309 there. Well, if we only recorded 293 episodes, how is it 309 to begin with? It's more than we've recorded. Oh. Just saying. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> we're on episode 293, so if there's 309, <laughs> we're doing good because someone's posting stuff for us. Well, there are some uh, special episodes, like I did put Relics of History up, and uh, we reposted the one for the Mailing Your Child uh, podcast because that's making the rounds again. And I always see this and people go, well, until 1916, you could mail your child through the mail. And it's like, no, you couldn't. <laughs> if, if you want to hear the story and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably just did. <laughs> but basically it was a uh, bring your cousin to work day. And uh he drove it to he drove her to grandma's house. As for our mailing address, it's fifty nine sixty five Harrison Drive, Suite Number Six in glorious Las Vegas, Nevada, eight nine one two zero. That's actually fabulous, Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, okay. 
Mike P. writes, Hi team, I'm in a philatelic pickle right now. I recently bought a US 292 and 293 on eBay. They were shipped via USPS. I got a tracking status update saying visible damage and hoped for the best. The envelope arrived handmarked with received unsealed. I held my breath while carefully opening and unfortunately the 292 was not inside but the 293 was. I took photos as I was opening the envelope and sent them to the seller asking him to confirm what stamps he sent. What should I do? Well, if the seller sent them by um, uh, with with uh, insurance, you can file a claim. But if he sent them without insurance and it and it wasn't sent priority, then there's no there's no insurance. Well, there's no insurance for the seller. The seller, the buyer, just writes back and says, "Hey, I didn't get the stamp." It's the seller's responsibility, right, to uh, get it to the person. And uh, I understand why eBay does this, because for the buyers, it's an emotional decision. You know, you buy the stamp, you don't like the service, stuff like that. For the seller. It's an economic decision. It's, okay, I'm losing half a percent of my stamps. I need to do this or I need to uh, ship it a different way with insurance or whatever. It's a, it's so eBay obviously has to address the emotional person because the economic person will address it themselves. They'll figure out a way to raise prices, lower prices, or change the way they do stuff. But if you didn't get the stamp, you didn't get the stamp. You know, that's on the seller, not you. And the seller's got to take it up with the post office. Yeah. yeah. Well, this day in history, the Great Blizzard of 1888 begins along the eastern seaboard of the United States, shutting down commerce and killing more than 400 people. In 1928, in California, the St. Francis Dam fails... And the resulting flood kills 431 people. This is an exciting start to March. In 1933, the Long Beach earthquake affects the greater Los Angeles area, leaving around 108 people dead. This is definitely a bad day in history. Very what, bad day, what day in is, history. What day is this? Today. Actually, it's a week from today because we recorded now uh a week in advance. This so is a uh, week from today is the eleventh. Yeah, yeah. You'll find me at home, or sitting in the middle of some park somewhere where my house can't fall on my head. <laughs> yeah, avoid March eleventh. So a bad day, but what were the biggest disasters in U.S. history? So in 1900, a tropical cyclone hit Galveston, Texas, killing an estimated six to twelve thousand people, and doing approximately $28 million in damage. Was that $1920 or is that adjusted? I'm guessing $1900. that's $1900. Yeah. Oh, 1900 wasn't that bad then. 28 million's a lot. Yeah, 28 million today replaces like one building. So then 1936 there was a heat wave, the North American heat wave, which affected the United States and Canada and killed approximately 5,000 people. And another tropical cyclone in 1899 in Puerto Rico 
San, I don't know how, I don't know how you pronounce that, Siracau? San Sirinaca? It looks like I-R-I. Yeah. Well, anyway, that place in Puerto Rico that I can't pronounce cost an estimated cost an estimated $20 million in damage and killed approximately 3,389 people. Yeah, that's no approximation. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty, yeah, that's pretty exact, right? <laughs> yeah. So they were better at counting dead in, 1880, in 1899 than they were in 1900. And then in 1906, an earthquake and fire in San Francisco, California, the deadliest earthquake in U.S. history, killed... 3,000 or more people and cost an estimated $235 million in damage. And that's in 1906 dollars. And of all the disasters, 9-11 was number five and actually got its own stamp. And I think most people know what that was. The Galveston Cyclone got a song. $10 billion in damage. Yeah, which is why you... (laughs) $10 billion with uh, the buildings versus the entire island of Galveston being wiped out. So obviously that's not going to be uh, modified for inflation. The USA has issued six stamps plus one variety of semi-postal stamps with the second one being for 9-11 first responders. The other stamps were breast cancer, child abuse, tigers for endangered species, Alzheimer's, and PTSD. So what exactly is a semi-postal stamp? A semi-postal stamp, or also known as a charity stamp, is a postage stamp issued to raise money for a particular purpose, such as a charitable cause, and sold at a premium over the postal value. Typically, the stamp shows two denominations separated by a plus sign, but in many cases, the only denomination shown is for the postage rate, and the postal customer simply pays the higher price when purchasing the stamps. The first semi-postal was actually a postcard to commemorate the Uniform Penny Post in 1890. The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Ireland issued a card with a face value of one penny, but sold it for six pence, with the difference given to a fund for postal workers. Hold on, hold on. So you paid... An extra 500% for the employee union, basically. Boy, I, I wonder if they did that today, how many people would pay the extra. Well, hey, if a bunch of people did, it uh, might get the post office out of debt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you can buy a 55-cent stamp, but we're going to charge you $10 for it <laughs> to, get us, to get them out of debt. Well, the first semi-postal stamps were issued by the Australian colonies of New South Wales and Victoria, who both marked the Diamond Jubilee of Queen Victoria in 1897 with stamps denominated in pennies but sold for shillings, a 12 times increase over the face value. Semi-postal stamps became widespread in European countries at the beginning of the 20th century. In many cases, they have become standard standard annual issues, such as the Projuventus. I thought I knew how to read that, and I completely failed. How about just Projuvenal? Because that's juvenile in Dutch, <laughs> or excuse me, in Swiss. 
In many cases, they have become standard annual issues, such as the Pro Juventut series of Switzerland started in 1913. Many countries issued semi-postal stamps to raise money for the Red Cross in World War I. The surcharges are typically a fraction of the face value. At one point, the Federation Internationale de Philatelie was officially boycotting stamps with surcharges greater than 50% of face value, saying that such issues were exploitive of stamp collectors. The United Kingdom's Royal Mail, a relative newcomer to semi-postals, issued its first stamp of this type in 1975 with a four and a half pence denomination and a premium of one and a half pence for charitable causes, making the total cost six pence with the funds going to health and handicap charities. The stamp issue was not considered a success, and there have been few UK semi-postal issues since. Uh, fewer than ours? Yeah. Some non-European countries followed suit, such as New Zealand, which has issued health stamps annually since 1929. The New Zealand-associated territories of the Cook Islands and... Nayui. Thank you often issue Christmas or Easter stamps in two sets of values with one having with one set having a charitable surcharge but semi-postal stamps are still predominantly european by contrast the united states is a newcomer to semi-postals with its first semi-postal being the breast cancer research stamp issued in 1998 through 2016, four additional stamps were issued, three for other causes, and the fourth, a reissue of the breast cancer stamp. A subsequent law allowed five more stamps to be issued at two-year intervals over the next decade. The first for Alzheimer's disease was released in November 2017. Semi-postal issues are not always issued on a regular basis for health and similar causes. They have been on occasion issued as a means of raising funds for disaster relief. These are usually sold as charity stamps, though occasionally, as with the 1971 refugee relief stamps of India, the excess cost has been levied as an obligatory tax. One of the highest semi-postal value stamps is the Falkland Islands Rebuilding Fund stamp issued in 1982 after the Anglo-Argentinian War over the islands. This was aimed primarily at collectors and had a postal value of... One pound with an added one pound surcharge. Yeah, because Falkland Island pounds, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because Falkland Islands had very, very little postal use, and here they're getting two pounds from every person who buys the stamp. Yeah, I can see how uh, some people were angered by this. Charitable disaster relief stamps are commonly found in smaller island nations as a result of natural disasters, as in the case of St. Vincent and the Grenadines' 1980 hurricane relief issues and Tonga's 1982 cyclone relief stamp. In these cases, existing issues are often used, overprinted with text indicating the reason for the surcharge. Here in the United States... The 911 stamp sold for 45 cents with a face value of 34 cents, so 11 cents went to the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, which is an agency of the United States Department of Homeland Security, initially created under President Jimmy Carter 
by Presidential Reorganization Plan Number 3 of 1978 and implemented by two executive orders on April 1st, 1979. Yeah, I thought this was interesting. The 9-11 stamp didn't go necessarily to 9-11 anything. It went to FEMA. They just gave it to them as part of their budget. Oh, you mean like instead of 9-11 victims getting the money, it went to FEMA directly? Yeah, I, I, I kind of thought that was odd. I thought that there would be some sort of 9-11 organization since it is a 9-11 stamp, but it's not. <clears throat> kind of interesting. There are also two breast cancer stamps that look similar. And one is sold today. The other one was... Uh, had, had stopped being sold, but because they look so similar, are they still considered the same value? Can you still use them as first-class stamps? Well, what's the difference? Uh, there's a there's a slight design difference, and of course the 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 stamp is dated with a different date. You know, I don't think that they dating the stamps. I don't think that that causes major varieties. I think it's a minor variety. However, you know, in some countries like uh, the Philippines. Uh, they do collect the, the, the different dates on the bottom of the stamps. But I don't really see that happening too much in the United States. Yeah, but it is a, it is a completely different Scott number, the, the two different breast cancer stamps. I'm pulling it up on the Internet because I am kind of curious what the difference between the two designs are. That one versus that one? You mean just the darkness of the red? There's, uh, there's oh, I see, I see. Yeah, it's it's recolored. It's totally recolored. The word breast cancer at the top of the uh, for one stamp is like a dark orange, and the other one it's kind of like a yellow. Um, at the bottom, the word first class is in much smaller type. And the colors are overall much, much lighter. Yeah, this is a definitely, you can definitely pick this out as a different stamp. I have no question that they would choose to give this a different variety. I mean, it looks totally different. Yeah. But the the current one you can buy at the post office, but the original one, I think, well, sold for, for a lot less. And so the question is, can you still use the original one for first-class mail? Well, yeah, because it's a, isn't it a forever stamp? It's not a forever stamp. Oh, the first one wasn't a forever. Yeah, neither is the is the current. Yeah, one. actually, this one isn't either. They both say first class. Well, that's going to be interesting for uh, them to do their accounting to try to even figure out which one is which and how much. I mean, us as uh, collectors, we can see the difference, but right, we, not if they were like separate you know if you had two separate ones right i mean could would the could the post office if you use the older one come to you and say you you now have postage due because this is the original one yeah very interesting honestly i'm surprised by how few the u.s has released in comparison to some of the other countries like switzerland that i come across stamps for it seems like I find a lot of um, semi-postals for those countries. Yeah. In those countries, it's traditional when those stamps come out to buy some because they realize they're raising funds, for instance, for the Red Cross. Uh, with this kind of um, 
you don't know for for instance the hero stamp you didn't know that the money was going to fema that yeah. would, that would actually that would frankly offend me yeah r- I, rather than going to the fund to to aid the victims of, if they publicize that i think that would have hurt the issue dramatically versus helping it you know people think that it's going to a particular place and it ends up just going to a government agency you know the um the B6, which is the Alzheimer's stamp, the money was going for the National Institutes of Health. One could wonder why it didn't go to the, the Alzheimer's, uh, the, yeah. the, the National Alzheimer's Group, which has been better. They've actually used their money much more efficiently. Well, also, the breast cancer stamp is actually giving it to cancer research, but it specifically did give it to breast cancer research, and they got widely criticized because it... All the breakthroughs that have occurred in cancer have been researching other things. If you're just looking at one particular type of cancer, you're missing the boat. And if you go back and you read the articles from when it came out, everybody said, you know, this is foolish. You, you Great, you know, promote it for breast cancer and everything like that. But you need to research all cancer. You can't pick one particular type of cancer because you're going to fail then. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, there's the the two different breast cancer stamps, uh, semi-postals, are distinctly different. I have a silly question to ask. Let's say you bought $1,000 worth of these uh, these semi-postal stamps, American semi-postal stamps. Could you deduct the extra money if you wrote a check in your taxes? I wonder. That's an interesting question. You probably could. But, yeah, that is an interesting question. Our stamp topic this week is how are tears in stamps repaired? It is important to know what is done so that you can detect it and not buy repaired stamps. So, Albert, how are stamp tears repaired? Well, there's many different techniques. People have used things as as, um, there's all kinds of glues and pastes on the market. People have made their own paste from uh, flour. Um, people have uh, used gum arabic. Um, there's uh, in Europe they've actually used very exotic uh, artificial paper that's used for restoring Renaissance paintings to close tears. So there's uh, anything that glues the paper fibers together is basically the method that they used to fix tears, or to put something over to disguise the tear like another piece of paper from a stamp. The most important thing is that you to detect a tear is that you have to watermark the stamp, put it in fluid, and then look how it dries. Um, we, have the, we have the advantage here of having uh, the VSC scanner so we can see things much more clearly. So what does a tear look like? I mean, how would you detect one? Um, a tear looks like a lot, like a dark line normally. Sometimes if it's very shallow, it only appears when, when the stamp is drying from watermark fluid. But if you look under a microscope, the key thing is, is that there are paper fibers that are actually broken. And that you can tell, you can tell the broken paper fibers because they, they appear. They're not continuous. They're actually broken. And tears are like the... Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be discussing repairs and how to detect them. I wanted to start off with something easy. 
a tear is something that you're going to uh, see in stamps, you have to be able to recognize it. It's it's sort of like the the lowest skill level possible is dipping the stamp in Ronzenol, and we always suggest people use Ronzenol uh, in the yellow bottle. Uh, if you want to use other watermark fluids and stuff like that, that's perfectly fine too. We've you can go back and listen to some of our discussions on them. Uh, but again, we use Ronzenol here at PSE. It is the way for a person to detect fundamental faults within the paper of the stamps. And a tear is the biggest one. Um, how, P how I see people fixing tears is there is a glue called Ducco, Ducco cement. And people will also reinforce perforations and things like that. But they will take Ducco cement and they will put it on the edge of the paper. And Ducco is good enough where it will bond the edge to the other edge and it will give it a very strong hold so that it won't fall apart. If you used, you know, just like white glue or something like that, it would give way. Ducco cement does not. So then when you, but when you dip it, again, like Albert said, you will see this black line and you'll look at it and go, what is that? Then you pull out your magnifying glass and you look at it and you'll see that it's probably a tear. Lots of stamps. Lots of stamps that are on covers have small faults, especially tears, just from usage. Um, they didn't. People in the 19th and early 20th century didn't care necessarily where the stamp was placed on the envelope. A lot of times, the stamp was placed over the envelope, so it was exposed. So it was easy to get tears on the edges. Yep. Plus the cover itself. People do fix the cover itself. I wonder if some of the tears were the victims of just trying to open the damn envelope. Oh, yeah, you know there were, yeah. Yeah, some people just weld it shut with enough tape. It's ridiculous because, you know, I live in Mexico, and I come back to Las Vegas about every couple of months, and, and during that period I'm ordering a lot of stamps. So when I get back to Vegas, it's like Christmas. You know, I go down to the post box and there's this big pile of mail and I can't wait to get back to the room. And all of it's on the bed and I'm all excited. And the first thing I see is tape, tape everywhere. <laughs> you got stay flats with tape over the peeling, you know, where you peel it open, mm -hmm. nice and convenient, they tape it. So what do I have to do? I have to take scissors and cut the edges and pray that I'm not cutting something in half. And then I open it up, and it's full of advertising, and there's more tape. There's tape everywhere. There's saran wrap, there's plastic baggies, glad bags, there's, and the fun is taken away, and some of the stamps are face down, and it's just saran wrap. Have you tried to unwrap saran wrap with a single stamp? And it's, it's a nightmare. So my advice to dealers out there, please don't use tape. I hate tape. That's my beef for the day, anyway. So, I had uh, I I purchased a stamp from India, and the person had cut 
cardboard to the size of the stamp (laughs) and then literally wrapped it in tape. I mean, it was solid. It, 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 that stamp was not going to get damaged until you had to remove it. (laughs) It's comical. And it was comical. And I, and I consider myself kind of a smart person. You know, I understand tape. I destroyed the stamp. I could not get it out of there. It, it just, I ripped it apart. It was a India number four, uh, three. It was a $30 stamp. I paid like $12 for it. And in the end, it was valueless because I destroyed it trying to get it out of the tape. The next time that happens, I suggest you throw it into a little bath of lighter fluid. The lighter fluid will break apart the tape adhesive eventually, and you'll be able to get your stamp out. Yeah, I, but I've had to do that a couple of times for that, that reason. That's why, I've, why I figured this out. But the average person should not have to soak their yeah, mail exactly. with lighter fluid. It's like, how, how much work do you want to put into getting it out? I mean, I had tape stuck on my fingers, on my nose. I mean, you know, I'm walking in the room, and it's stuck on my shoe, and I'm walking around. And, it, and what, I had a couple of uh, stamps that stuck to the, the side of my foot, you know, and I'm, I didn't realize it till later. But so my room, with all this mail, this Christmas mail that I've gotten, is all over the floor, sticking together with tape, the sides of the bed, the, the sheets. It's well, they just want you to make it feel more like Christmas, all the tape on the wrapping paper together. <laughs> I guess. You know, I really look forward to getting the higher quality stamps that actually have uh, archival cards. You know, you see the stamp immediately. They put it loose inside to stay flat. You can unzip it without any tape. Those are the ones I look forward to, but usually you have to pay extra, you know, to get those kind of stamps. So. Yep. Also, we are going to be doing a little bit of a uh, montage of subjects regarding repairs in the next few episodes. Today was uh, tears. We're going to cover thins, reperfs, and cleaning perfs, gum, design elements, and repairs to covers in the coming weeks. So make sure you take a listen. And just as a, a an early, not a cash correction, but a, an additional information, I looked up something regarding the semi-postal stamp for 9-11 or the heroes of 2001 semi-postal stamp and going money going to FEMA the 2001 semi-postal stamp actually has some additional information so public law number 107-67 requires that funds raised from the sale of the heroes of 2001 semi-postal stamp net of the postal services reasonable costs be transferred to the federal emergency management agency to provide assistance to the families of the emergency relief personnel killed or permanently disabled in connection with the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001. So it actually, I mean, it does go to FEMA, but it's also specified that it's going to families of first responders. That sounds better. That sounds much better. Yes, it does go to FEMA, but but specifically earmarked for first responder relief good good so i'm glad you looked that up so yeah not just straight to fema for general fund usage so vanta black is a material developer. oh no no we're going to do that next week i haven't gotten it yet then why is it on this week's script (sighs) sir (laughs) i need your help 
<laughs> Nothing that Cash writes is a pen. <laughs> Sorry. Well, that wraps us up for this week. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Um, I think your thing is wrong, isn't this 293? Yeah, this is, yeah, this is 290, 290. yeah. Uh -huh. 292 is the stamp that's missing. <laughs> You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 293. This was Tom. This was Cash. This, this was, was Mark. Al this was Albert. This was Becca. This is Jeff. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Knott's Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to send up. It's hard to send up. Thank you for joining us. This has been Cash, Scott, Tom, and I'm your host, Dawn. Continue the conversation at Stamp Show Here Today on Facebook. You can ask us questions, see pictures of the stamps, make comments, and add to the conversation on Facebook. You can also ask the experts your stamp questions at bluepaper@gradingmatters.com. You can listen to all of our past podcasts at stampshowheretoday.com, podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And as always, keep collecting. This episode of Stamp Show Here Today is brought to you by the Philatelic Book of Secrets, the book that teaches you about repurse, regums, color varieties, and much more. Get yours for $10 at www.philatelicsecrets.com today. Worst episode ever. Oh, not even close.